Well, it's been a minute, but I'm back. Uh, whew, just time, how time travels and, and I'm here now, but you know, life happens. I still got this show going on and in respect of the Big Old Belt podcast and Big Old Belt Media, this is your host, Silly Sellers, on my Straight Facts with Sellers show. Got a couple of things I want to talk about, especially with the the playoff, the BCS playoff, or what you would say the college football playoff now, um, is now uh, up and running, and that's going to be happening on New Year's Eve. But what if I would have told you it's very about to be very similar to March Madness? Let's check it out. Here we go. You are now listening to Straight Facts, only on Big Gold Belt Media with your host, Celis. So full transparency, you know, once again, this is good to be back. And then I was talking to my boy, Jamal, John Crab. If you follow us on the Big Gold Belt uh, podcast and you listen to us every Thursday, he brought this up to me offline about this college football playoff, if it's very similar to March Madness. I'm going to talk about that in my latter topic. But if you're here with me, definitely chat, comment with me. Definitely want to uh, show you how we're here, trying to rev up the sports. I got my TVs going on in this new office I got here. Got my wrestling going on on one TV live. And I got my Orlando, well, not my Orlando Magic. I'm a Phoenix Suns, well, Phoenix Suns fan right here. Um, I got the Orlando Magic and Toronto Raptors on. So if you see me get distracted by the two TVs as I'm talking live sports with you, just go ahead and chat with me one time. Um, we got a couple of topics I want to talk. But once again, you know how I like to do my shows, about 15 to 20 minutes, about two topics, just to make sure you understand that we give you some quick, some quick methods of about what's going on in the world of sports. We're doing this live today, uh, live on YouTube, live on Twitch. Once again, all representing Big Old Belt Media. But I'm your host, Silly Sellers, and let's go ahead and get started for today. Now, part of my journey, because with my job, it gets me so caught up about things that I need to do. And sometimes I just don't have time to record as much as I want to. Um, but definitely when I get ample opportunities, I'm going to get back to routine now because now we're coming up in uh, the winter meetings for baseball. Hockey's gearing up to get in their heat of the season. Basketball's gearing up. And you know your Christmas day is coming up. Um, anybody that celebrate any type of holidays for this upcoming month, just want to wish everybody an upcoming happy holidays and hope you get a chance to celebrate that with your family in the best way as possible. And I know uh, COVID and illnesses and RSV is still going on. I hope you're taking care of yourself with your family as well. Um, but one of the things that I was really good during this month is I've been doing a lot of traveling. Um, and what, before I talk about what type of traveling I've done, I want to put in my first topic. Um, and I had thought I had it. Let me rewrite it. Uh, that's the thing about live shows. Now I got to make sure I can spell check. Let's play it. What are your best stadium experiences? So this is what I've been doing for the past couple of weeks, and I'm about to do it now. Just came back from California, went to see my 49ers play in Santa Clara at Levi Stadium. Next week, I got an opportunity to go see, uh, to go to Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm going to see the Celebration Bowl. We got Jackson State going to play North Carolina Central um, in the Celebration Bowl. So good opportunities where I get to see Deion Sanders. Uh, coached his last game under HBCU realm as a head coach, as well as I got to see Deion Sanders' former football team, my 49ers, the last time the 49ers won the Super Bowl, the 94-95 season when Deion Sanders was their lockdown corner for only that one season, but brought him a bowl. 
Um, I definitely want to talk about some best stadium experiences that I've been a part of and talk about my experience that I did in Santa Clara. A uh, shout out to uh, one of my good friends who I consider my brother. I went out with him, um, got it, uh, a great, great, great hookup with some season tickets um, where one of our family members or kind of our family members, somebody we worked with her sister work, lives out there and has some season tickets with the 49ers, got a chance to uh, get an opportunity to go to one of those games when they played the Miami Dolphins, won by the 49ers by a score of 33 to 17. Once again, it was a fantastic game. And that was a great stadium that I've been to. Before then, for different venues, not just sports, of course, been to FedEx Field, M&T Bank Stadium, uh, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Um, also been to Jerry's World in Arlington, Texas, the Superdome, um, <laughs> the Superdome uh, that I got a chance to go to in, in L.A. I mean, excuse me, Louisiana. Those of you know the Superdome uh, joke from WrestleMania when Hulk Hogan said that when he was in Louisiana, when he talked about the Silverdome. Um, but I got a chance to go to Louisiana. But I got to tell you, the best experience that I've had as a fan at a sporting event was in Santa Clara. If you ever been to the 49ers stadium, it's, it's like a bowl but it's like a bowl with some crevice in it. And what I mean is you have a standing room only in the corner and on the end zone, not the end zones where the visiting and home teams have their sidelines behind that area is a standing room only where you're literally on the field. So if you want to, and if you have those designated tickets in those sections, you really can stand right behind the players. Now it is about a 20 foot gap between where you are and when the players are, but it's a nice gap where you get a chance to really experience on the field action uh, right there, right then and there with the players on the field. And just like, you're really connected with it. Um, and then in there, they have some great food experiences where if you're in that section, you have unlimited food, unlimited drinks, both alcohol and non-alcoholic. You can have your choice of loaded tots, wings, hamburgers, hot dogs, sushi, shrimp, salad, whatever you want in your heart's desires, you can have that right there and you can bring that into the field or you can eat that in a little bar area where it's got like eight TVs where it has red zone and the 49ers game going on at the same time. When I tell you the experience was phenomenal when I went to that game, it, it was outstanding. Um, I, I have to go back to Santa Clara and then now get a chance to go to the Celebration Bowl next week and be in the chance to be in the Mercedes-Benz uh, uh, Dome uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, I've heard that stadium is great. So getting a chance to just be in that aspect of stadium experiences, I want to have this question for you. What has been your best uh, stadium or experience, baseball park, football, basketball arena? Of course, I've been to several basketball arenas. I went to see my sons in the NBA finals a couple of years ago, where actually in 2021, um, I actually got a chance, of course, uh, the Wizards, the Capital One Arena, uh, Charlotte's uh, arena. So definitely been around to some basketball arena too is where I got a chance to see different venues. Uh, Philadelphia, been to the Philadelphia arena several years ago when Allen Iverson was playing. What has been your best stadium experience? Is it the seats that you sit in because you can get the view from the action on the field? Is it the experience of the food that's being served? Have you been into a press box situation where you have like a party or, or corporate party? When I tell you like the fact that when I got there to on the field, I got a chance to slap high five with Trent Williams, who almost broke my hand because he has a paw for hand, all six, five, six, four, however, 300 pounds he is, got a chance to slap my hand when he got on the field. Uh, those of you follow my personal social media pages, got a chance to see some of that action where I got a chance to record the players coming out the tunnel for warmups, slapping hands and being on the field experience. 
also got a chance to take some pictures right on the field, being on the 50 yard line. Um, so once again, it's an experience I do not take lightly. It's an experience I'm very appreciative, but just the fact that I got a chance to get out there on that field, you know, with my favorite team, just being in that moment, was that good for me because of my favorite team? Probably so. But would have been my experience if I wasn't my favorite team? I would have loved that stadium. Um, so definitely, what has been your best stadium experiences um, throughout your career, March Madness, Super Bowl? You know, what has been that best experience for you? Definitely want to tag that into you. Feel free to follow us on Big Go Belt uh, Group or Big O Belt on Twitter. You see all our pages and everything, Big O Belt Media. Follow all our stuff on SoundCloud so you can definitely get a chance to follow us and just react to us. Say what's been your favorite stadium experience that you've had so far within any uh, sporting event. Now, here is the bread and butter of what we're going to talk about today. What would a March Madness tournament look like in college football? Now, we all know what's going on right now. On December 31st, we have our college football playoff where we have the number one seed, Georgia Bulldogs, is going to play number four, Ohio State. And the number two, Michigan Wolverines, is going to play uh, TCU for the college football playoff on December 31st. And then the uh, championship game that's going to be on January 8th, which is a Monday night, um, which is going to be the winner of those two teams that play on New Year's Eve. And I think the college football playoff has been a great addition since they started a couple of years ago or several years ago now, which they used to be the BCS rankings that the BCS tournament or no, not tournament, the, the committee used to pick the top two teams to see who will move on to the championship game. Now, this playoff atmosphere get a chance to get those top four teams to go in. But this year, you really felt it where Alabama was not in the top four. They were actually number five and Tennessee were number six. And the expansion that's upcoming for uh, the, the playoff, college football playoff, is going to expand where it's going to be more teams to give that opportunity for that. So me and my boy, Jamal, uh, the giant crab, who's once again on our big old belt group, um, got a chance to talk to me about it offline. Just in case he may pop in today, he may. But he definitely wanted to talk about what would be a great topic is what if it was like a March Madness experience where it came to the college football playoff. Now, those of you that watched the live telecast on last Sunday on ESPN got a chance to see an aspect of that. It was one school in particular, TCU, waiting to see where are they going to go in the big dance in order to be in this college football playoff. And when you saw they got announced as number three, you saw everybody jump up, clap like it was March Madness and things of that nature for that. Um, and it brings an interesting question. First of all, do you think it's good to expand the college football playoff to more teams? Should it be six teams? Should it be 12? Should it be 16? What should it be? Now, March Madness is like a one and done situation, but it does not take the strenuous stress like football, which is only one game a week. You could play a couple of games during the weekend and then you're already in the Sweet 16 for March Madness. It goes fast. So you get through 64 teams or 68 now, get through 64 teams in about a month. You got to get through 12 to 16 teams in football in a month. Is it too long? Does it need to be short? Even the NFL playoffs, you have your wild card, divisional, conference, championship, Super Bowl. That's four weeks. And are you expecting the same thing from college football? And how many players are going to want to do that? when they know their draft stock is on the line. So just a couple of questions. So first, do you think expanding the tournament is something that's really good? Now, going back to the topic, the March Madness tournament aspect will be a great...
Hey, good sir, I cannot hear you right now, and I have no idea why. Have I been muted this whole time? I hope not, because I, I, I can oh hear my you now. God. Have I been muted this whole time? So I've been I, talking left and right and probably been muted this whole time, and nobody even heard me. I hope not. So hey, good. How you doing, man? I'm good, good, good. Good. So, like, literally, let's start from the beginning because I might have been muted the whole time and just uh -oh. didn't realize it. So, everybody's probably looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm probably been muted and just talking like this the whole time. Um, first, let's go back a little bit. Um, okay. I had to open the topic just in case anybody didn't hear me. I want to talk about some best stadium experiences. Um, I got a chance, you know, this to go out to San Francisco to see my boys at 49ers play. You have been a traveling man. You've seen how many baseball stadiums? Uh, 23 out of 30 in, in the major leagues. Yep, 23 out of 30 major leagues. So that's huge. And I've probably been to like a quarter of that just for football stadiums. Of course, some for wrestling events, some from concert venues, a couple of for football events. What has been your best stadium experience or where? My best stadium experience. Uh, well, okay. So there, there are two things with that. The first thing is um, the best game experience is probably where I got this hat, uh, Pittsburgh. Mm. Um, uh, that would be PNC Park. Um, it's just a great place to watch the game. Uh, you know, beautiful atmosphere. You know, it's baseball. You can't be mad at it. Um, and then, of course, it is uh, the, the scenery. It's great. However, the best experience would probably be a teddy bear toss game for hockey. Um, you bring a stuffed animal, the proceeds go to the local children's hospital or wherever. And I did that in Toronto a couple of years ago, where when the home team scores their first goal or however they designate it, you toss the bears into the ice and they bring out, you know, trucks and stuff like that and fill all the vans that are going to go to the hospital or, you know, hospital for sick kids or police league or whatever. And uh, that's just a great experience. Number one, you get to throw stuff on the ice. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, uh, it's definitely for a good cause. And number three, it's the only game of the year where they do that. So it's a, um, a good experience and um, and it's a good time to, to do that. So it's okay. Gotcha. And and I was just telling, once again, people may have heard it, may have not have heard it, because I was talking mute for the whole time. That's just funny. Um, <laughs> just, oh, that's funny. Um, going to San Francisco, I, that was probably, and I'm not saying this because I'm a homer, because I'm in the Candlestick Park. Candlestick Park was okay. It was just more historic. But when I went to Levi Stadium, Levi Stadium for me was probably the best experience. Part Now, part of that, I was blessed for opportunity just uh -huh. to be uh, in the season ticket holder section where everybody in that section is – has like a bar area that's right underneath behind where the players sit. So sure. I was on the visitor side behind the Dolphins. San Francisco side has the same thing where at the ends of the stadiums where like the players can come out in the tunnel. They don't go out that tunnel, but they, they can. It's like a whole bar atmosphere similar to what you see in Dallas. And that way they have uh, sushi, shrimp, uh, any type of alcoholic drink you want, non-alcoholic, loaded tater tots. Uh, sandwiches, hot dogs, hamburgers, whatever you want, chicken tenders, fries, whatever you want is a buffet for whatever you want to have there and pizza. And it's a lounge area too, where you can watch eight TVs of red zone. If you want to watch red zone with the 49ers game, and use that as a hangout experience. And you can take that food up to where you sit. 
In addition, they come around with free food in that area while you sit in the area. Now, I won't say how much those tickets cost because it does definitely cost an arm and a leg to make sure you have that season ticket price per game, that is. But just the experience of having that available to you, making it like a social event in addition to a gaming event. And it was fantastic. Well, I guess that depends on like what you are doing, because in baseball, for example, tailgating really is a thing. That's a yep. football thing. Yeah. Uh, it also depends on, you know, where you're going and why. Yep. Because uh, the Winter Classic in hockey is a very unique experience. It's a special experience. And it's a game. It's an outdoor chance to watch a hockey game. Yep. Usually in a venue that's not specific to hockey. Uh, so I'm at Fenway Park and I'm watching a hockey game. That's crazy in and of itself. Uh, but then, of course, so college sports are a totally different animal. They really are based on the atmosphere, um, the tradition, the camaraderie. And then there's the game itself. So if you sat in the student section of a particular college, especially for a rivalry game, um, and if you've been following Coach Prime down there in Jackson, uh, you see how transformative that school has been, and we'll see what happens as he's out there in Colorado, and we'll see, you know, and and so on. So it really is um, a thing. Now, I've not been to Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, um, but – I have been to uh, the County Coliseum for a Raiders game. Yep, yep. And I'm not – I wasn't in football then, and I'm not now. Uh, but it is an experience if that's what you're looking for. Yep. Uh, when I was in the football, I was a Jets fan. But I didn't want to dress up as Fireman Ed. Uh, I, I think that was just the stupidest damn thing. I came, I, I came to watch the game. Yep. I want to watch the game. I paid too much money to watch the game. So let me watch the game. But if you're one of those fans that try to get over because you're streamer guy or you're fireman Ed, or if you're the literal Kansas City chief or you're the dude in the Broncos uh, that paints half his body or whatever the case may be, then cool. That could be your gimmick. Um, That never appealed to me. I think football in general is definitely overpriced. And I'm very excited about the XFL coming to town in February because I want to see the game. I don't necessarily need to see the game on TV at the stadium. I agree. I I, I understand. What and and don't get me wrong. You know, San Francisco is pretty climatized year round. But if I'm in Green Bay, why would I go to the game if it's negative 40 and 12, 26 inches of snow? Yep. And then, you know, just to watch the game inside of the clubhouse because I have VIP tickets. And um, even next week myself, I'll get a chance to go to Mercedes-Benz, to, uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. In Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, mm-hmm. because Jackson State, as you mentioned, with Deion Sanders' last game as a celebration bowl is going to be playing NC State. Um, so I'll get a chance to evaluate how that is on a college level in a pro stadium, seeing how yeah. packed it is or what it will be. Um, are they going to have an experience similar to that? Um, and like you said, being in the student section of experience, you're just watching the game from a student or if you're watching from your favorite team or right. if you're just watching the game from TV in the stadium, what is your best atmosphere that you want to have and what is that? bring to you for your experience and i do think that that it is relevant to where you are and what the game True. is True. because if you are in a college experience for example a lot of the time that's the biggest game going on for 100 miles yep uh there's a reason why nayland stadium holds a hundred thousand yep. in a city with only seventy five thousand residents uh, you know there's a reason why you know a third of ann arbor comes out to see michigan play yep uh for hundred and five thousand uh, the biggest college football, the biggest stadiums in the country are college football stadiums, not 100%, the NFL. 100%. Um, and that is because, and these stadiums are old too. You know, uh, Columbus for Ohio State is like 
you know, 80 years old. Yep. Um, Kinnick Stadium in Iowa, uh, whatever it is in South Bend, Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, Michigan Stadium. These stadiums are not just old and historic, but they are old, historic, and hideously hard to get a ticket because of how special these games are. Now, football, granted, yes, sure, they play a limited schedule. Yep. They play a limited home game. And, of course, the one rivalry game of the year, whether it's for the trophy or for the bragging rights or whatever, is what it is. Mm-hmm. What about basketball? Because they do something different in North Carolina uh, for the Tar Heels. They do yep. something different in Cameron for Duke. They do something you know different for, you know, for Rutgers or for Washington and so on. So the college experience is definitely more interactive when it comes to the fan. But then again, minor league baseball is too. So if you, if you know, and it's still baseball, it's still the game. And, but that experience isn't as rigid as major league baseball is because they don't have contractual obligations to five minute commercial breaks and stuff like that, that slow the game down a lot. But also you're not going to turn that money away from your advertisers to that keep the game running. So I love minor league baseball and dollar hot dog night, just as much as I love going to, um, a major league stadium and paying way too much money for that same dollar hot dog. Absolutely. And that gives us a good segue for our, our next and, and really final topic of the day. And I kind of talked about this a little bit. You know, what would a Madness, March Madness tournament look like with college football? Now, last week we got our uh, college football playoff, which is the continuous about seven to eight years with this playoff now. Um, it used to be the BCS vote where you had a whole bunch of committee guys in the room to say, OK, these are the best two teams by this percentage ratio, things of that nature. Now they kind of do it with the playoff. Uh, this year we got uh, Georgia as the number one seed that's going to face Ohio State, the number four on New Year's Eve. And then it's going to be followed or I don't know who plays first. Michigan is going to be taken over or taken on TCU. And one of the things that I even noticed or reflected on when you first presented to me, because I gave this credit to you of, of how you brought this topic up. One of the resounding things I saw when I watched this live, you saw TCU, the only team that was recorded or filmed live, and they was anxiously waiting to see, did we get into the tournament? Did we get into that college football? As soon as they got announced, you saw them cheer, raise their hands and say they were excited, getting ready to be in that college football playoff. But is this something that needs to be expanded? Now, we know the college football playoff is getting expanded. So I think about 12 teams. 12 teams. Um, gotcha. And how does this look like? And I'm going to put it to you first. If this was viewed like a March Madness where you got an at-large bid or the conference champions in and you got to see if you get in or are you the first one out, what is your thought behind this and how you brought this topic out? Well, it's the reason why I don't watch college football. Mm. I mean, like, ironically, you know, talking about this is is why I don't watch it. Yep. Um, for a team that went undefeated or a team that has one loss, uh, and there's so many intangibles that you can't really justify, but they, you know, well, they beat them and they beat them, but then this other team can go, cannot lose it for two years and never have a chance because yep. they're Connecticut. Um, I think that March Madness in particular, granted, it's a larger tournament, you know, 60-something teams, um, a lot more teams involved, but it has the opportunity for the improbable Cinderella runs. There are yep. no Cinderella yep. stories in college football yep. in the, in the postseason yep. uh, because there really isn't a postseason. You're going to go to one of the 98 ball games out of the year. Actually, and, and, and this is this is true. So let's just, you know, not even hyperbole. There are 42 ball games, which means that there are 84 teams, and that does not include the national championship game. So 84 teams out of a total of 131 teams in uh, Division 1A, uh, F, yep. 
FCS football, uh, FBS football, have an opportunity to go to a bowl game. Now, the bowl game is just, a, you know, a big uh, charity game for the school, and it gives them notoriety. It's on national TV. Cool. And on the lower end, you know, a, a team that wouldn't have that marketability will get to be featured on ABC on New Year's Day. Cool, good for them. But then there's the other side of it where you have a team that's only have one loss. And if they have one loss, it doesn't matter how they got it. That may knock them out for the year. Exactly. If they exactly. have national championship aspirations. Sorry, Alabama. It is what it is. Um, but so what if what of a tournament then? Well, uh, Division One, AA, FCS actually has a 24-team tournament that's going on right now. Yep. And I don't know why this hasn't been adopted to the FBS. Mm-hmm. What I would like to see is an actual bowl championship series in the same way that in baseball, you win a pennant for winning your league. Yep. Why can't you win the Sugar Bowl as one of the final four teams, you know, or the final eight teams? Well, if you win the Sugar Bowl, you make it to the final four. And one of the final four, one of the final four ball games is the Orange Bowl. Yep. One of the other ones is the Rose Bowl. And then the national championship game is the national championship. Number one, it would bring uh no, it would make those bowl games mean a little bit more. Hella revenue. Because now exactly. So now the Fiesta Bowl isn't just that game they have in Phoenix every year. Yeah. It's the one of the final four games for your championship. Um, or one of the last two games, if they're the final four. One of the last two games before the championship. That's a big deal. So that creates some infighter with the sponsorships. I don't care. But the bottom yep. line is now now your goal is the Sugar Bowl. Yep. Now your goal is the national championship. And before that, you would have the other sub bowls. But when I see the Reliar Quest, you know, bowl or the Insight, you know, the Enron bowl or the you know, GoDaddy bowl or whatever, the Bahamas bowl which may or may not be happening already, you know, a lot of those things are just lip service for um, teams that wouldn't make it on national television. Yep. And that's unfortunate because if you win, you win. And I'm not saying that 99 times out of a hundred, um, Colorado, a smaller school that it got absolutely destroyed in the PAC 12 this year. They're one and eight in the uh, PAC 12, one and 10 over one and 11 overall. And they got murdered this year mm-hmm. by a lot. Mm-hmm. And the only game they won this year was an overtime. overtime. Yep, overtime. Now, let's say that they make it to uh, – now, what the way I would do it is there are 11 conferences, including independents in mm-hmm. um, Division uh, FBS. So if you, if you win your conference, automatic bid, first round bye. Yep. Second runner-up in the conference um, – would be um, your playing uh, brackets and you just go through the ringer. Yep. I'm not saying that it's a guarantee that Colorado's going to be in there. And then, of course, anything below the top 25, and I think that's what it should be, the top 24 uh, would go to the pl- college playoff championship series. Mm-hmm. Um, the Between 25 and uh, 43 or whatever it is, how many teams there are in the actual bowl series, yep. but 25 and 80, we just play in your traditional bowls. Cool. I mean, that's still a bunch of extra time, and you'll make it in. It would be the equivalent of the NIT. You make it either to the top bowl, 
playoff or the secondary bowl playoff. Like the NIT is a thing. Um, I don't see why that can be a thing. And then you kill two birds with one stone. You take away the AP. You take away the um, college polls. And your top 25 is actually based on merit. Yep. Now, is it Alabama's fault that they scheduled themselves against, you know, their non-SEC opponents would be, you know, Delaware State, and they murdered them 100 to, to 3? Yep. Well, no. You know, that shouldn't matter because you're going to really prove if you're fraudulent or not is if, uh, if it's a team goes up against somebody that they shouldn't be and wins. And that's what happens every March. VCU had a run. North Dakota State had a run. Creighton had a run. Uh, DePaul had a run. And, and so on and so forth. And that's what college football actually needs. I, you know, I'm tired of seeing a Power Five conference fight it out for the for the national championship every year. Mm-hmm. Or I'm tired of a school like Clemson, who was like who lost a game, so ooh, they shouldn't be considered. Right. Right. Well, no. Well, what about Dayton? You know, what about Central Michigan? What about Bowling Green State? I know they won't win. But damn it, I want a chance. And if you and because sports betting is so big this year, everywhere, don't you want to put a little bit down on Eastern Washington? Just a little bit. Just, just a taste. So I mean, they're, they're just so the upside is much uh, better than what they have going on. But they're going to move to twelve. That twelve really should be twenty-four. And if they want to keep the bowl system in play below the top twenty-four, um, cool. But I really do think it should be a merit-based thing and not based on the alleged strength of schedule. And also, let me add to this, too. So when you say that, too, everybody loves that Cinderella story. And think about what happened with Boise State when they won. And Ian Johnson, I think, when they played Oklahoma. And Boise they State won. is the perennial Cinderella school where everybody knows who they are, but nobody expects them to win. Exactly. And then what if what if the college football playoff was there during that time? They probably would have been a number four during that time. Could they have won mm-hmm. the whole thing? Back then, I think whatever year that was, I can't remember, like 2009, 2008 or something like that. But that's what we want to see. But let me ask this question to Flip because I actually said some of that, you know, before you came on. So I'm glad you affirmed that for those that heard it. But let me ask this question. With NIL and some of our top tier players that's getting ready for a draft and you have a 2014 tournament, right? How long would that take? And would those star players want to play throughout that whole duration of the risk of injury? Well, but then now that's not a question that can be asked right now, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now the question is, what is that? Who the leverage is now better between the player and the school? Mm-hmm. Do you want to hurt your your draft chances by playing an extra four to five games to yes. win a national title as a junior or a senior, or do you want to just you know sit yourself out and go to in a, in the NFL draft? Mm-hmm. That's on you, player. That's on you. Mm-hmm. But as far as the school goes, the the endowers and the alumni association, the recruiting staff. We need you to play yep. these extra four or five games. Yeah. Yeah. You may pad your steps. Yeah, sure. You're definitely going to break a record because nobody's playing 17 games in a college football season right. before. Right. But, you know, what does that mean for the Heisman race? Do you, you know, as a player, do you yep. sit out? Yeah. You know, because, hey, you did it. You know, you, you did it all and you don't need to do anything else. Yep. Do you really want a national championship? Yeah. Um, because now that you have a chance. But then, of course, the upside is now that we have so many mid-major schools and really not even mid-majors because a Big 12 team is going to go, uh, a Big 10 team is going to go, and two SEC teams is going to go. 
But now we have the Pac-12 making a, making noise. Yep. Now somebody from the MAC conference may sneak in. And yep. now and, and so on. If Deion Sanders can come into Colorado, and no matter what he's going to do next season, over the next few seasons, the fact that Colorado is a thing in the in the minds of people does something for their recruiting. It does. It, it really does. does. And that's what college football is all about. It's about recruiting. But now, assume that Deion Sanders stuff aside, now you say like, hey, we were on the bubble of a playoff berth last year. Mm-hmm. We need you to get us over that hump so that we can be on the on, in the playoff conversation this year. All yep. we need is a chance. Yep. And for those mid-major schools, making the March Madness tournament is just as in being there is the first step to winning. Absolutely. Can't win if you don't play. Absolutely. And then once you get there, then you get a chance to build and build and build. And now we're seeing teams like Gonzaga come through and make a name for themselves. Now we're seeing Butler in Indianapolis come through and be in that conversation, you know, and, and that's, um, that is what it is. You know, Tennessee is a decent team. Mm-hmm. Obviously they don't have a man in their, on their field anymore and they're far removed from that, but are they a playoff team? Yeah, they could be. Yep. So and, yeah, and I, I really think it's just a lot more upside than just Alabama versus Georgia. Every year. Every year. Every year. And one of the things I said even too um, before you got on, if we do this, which I totally agree with you, I like this 2014 setup, but one thing you have to do is get rid of these partial divisions within some of these power conferences because, and I made a comparison, I had to stop myself. Yes, Michigan, Ohio State has to play each other every year. That, that's just a given fact. One of the biggest rivalries that they have out there. Sure. But Michigan does not need to play Penn State every year. They do not need to play um, some of those same tier teams they have on their side of the division. Because when you think about the Michigan, Ohio State, the Penn State, Michigan State, all of them play each other, Maryland, all of them play each other all the time on that side of the division. Purdue, the thing, though. Well, go ahead. If, since we're going to add five more games to the schedule per the playoffs yep. and an additional game or two per the lower, uh, lower bowl playoff bracket, whatever that looks like, yep. I would cancel out-of-conference out of games and just have a 10-game in-conference schedule. So that way, you give yourself one more conference game so that you can see more of the conference as a whole. Absolutely. Um, and some of the conferences are divided differently. Some of them are names. Some of them are east and west. Some of them are north yep. and south. Yep. And so on. So I can, I'll leave that up to the conference. Yeah, the only I thing agree. I want is two representatives. Send me your champion and send me the runner-up. Now, should Michigan have faced Purdue? Well, yeah, because that's how their conference is set up. Yeah, yeah. Sucks to be Purdue. Like it or not. Like it or not. And unfortunately, Purdue would have been in the playoffs and not Ohio State. Very true. So very true. Oops. Just based Maybe, on division records, right? Based on division records. No, actually, it's not based on division records. It's based on the fact that they these are your top two teams. Uh, in the conference. Yep. In, they in fought conference. for the conference championships. Yep. yep. Ohio State did not. Shouldn't have lost that game to Michigan. Yep. Now that game means so much more to Ohio State because not only does it cost them the conference, it costs them the playoffs. Yep. So I, I just like the idea of the fact that, hey, we're getting more football. I like the idea of it creates some real issues for a perennial NFL uh, lottery picks and stuff like that. Um, you know, mortgaging their future versus the next step. Yep. But also, it's really more about not the ones that you're going to know, 
because there's seven rounds of football, 30 teams, that's 200 players, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. You have 200 players, but there are 130 teams. So not everybody, maybe 10% are going to get drafted on a given year. Very good point. But what about everybody else, the other 90% that will never make it to the NFL, that will never make it to the XFL or Canada? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just going to take their degree and become a plumber or whatever they decide to do. Go good for them. Yep. I I would hope that those guys would be able to uh, take that extra time, uh, that extra uh, extension of the season and try to make the most of it and, and win that thing. And who knows that playoff moment, you know, and that's what people want to remember, especially as attention spans get shorter. It went from highlight films to the memes. Yep. And now that YouTube shorts are a thing, it's going to get shorter than that. Yep. So that 15 seconds may be the difference between a first-round pick and a second-round pick or, or a third-round pick and a late first-round pick because it's because college football is about moments uh, and, and these things. That's why we know what VCU is or North Dakota State is or Butler is because those moments in VCU was like you know, 2010, something like that. I mean, yep. that was a while ago. Yep, it was. You know, was. so even but you still, don't forget. These, you don't forget. You don't forget those moments. So, you know, creating those moments in a playoff scenario, win or go home, is it, it, it's really what the sport needs. And also it creates a sense of clarity and you take it away from the selection committee, which is, you know, dubious at best. Mm-hmm. You know, who am I to say that this person doesn't deserve? But then Purdue five for the championship. What? Because of happenstance? Well, which is it? Yeah. Did they deserve it or not? Because no matter what Ohio State did, Purdue was in it. Oops. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I really, really hope that if that 12 becomes 24, um, it just would be a lot more stakes involved, which is more, which means more money, which means a better opportunities for smaller schools to make more money. Everybody wins. And that's a good point, too. Um, and once again, take it to all the fans that's watching right now or that may be listening later. What do you think? Do you think expanding this to like a March Madness type atmosphere on the product of the field and the quality that you get to see your Cinderella story get a chance to be out there? How does that work for you? Do you think that would be great to see? Um, is that something you think the NCAA should push? Because um, think about so much talent out here that even uh, Jamal mentioned, like so much talent out here. Not everybody will make it to the NFL, but this is the last chance as- aspect that you could see you know, your dream of going to the highest level of competition that you can and just having that opportunity. Like, like Jamal said, it's Purdue's having this opportunity. What would have been if they wouldn't have played Michigan and put themselves in this tournament and may have got an upset and moved on to the next round? Could we be seeing them playing them this weekend instead of watching the Heisman Trophy presentation? You know, it just never know. Just never know. Um, but once again, a couple of things to wrap up. Uh, I know we're about to end up college football season uh, very quickly, NFL season going through the last round or last quarter of the season, about four more weeks left before those playoffs start. NBA, NHL is kicking into their high gear. Of course, NBA is going to be rocking out for Christmas game. And what about this Christmas Day atmosphere? you got so many NFL games on Christmas Eve. you got your five games on Christmas Day, I think with two NFL games on Christmas Day. Um, winter meetings are taking on for baseball right now. Any, 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 any feedback from winter meetings? I'm, I'm excited about Josh Bell from my Guardians. Anything you want to say about your Mets or about winter meetings? Um, so is it, okay, so I, I'll, I'll make this quick because you did give the big wrap up. Uh, I will say that, um, sign re signing Aaron Judge, 
Uh, the Yankees did what the Nationals tried to do with Ron Soto. Yep. Um, they said, hey, you can be the king if you give us your career. Obviously, Soto's playing in San Diego, and Aaron Judge will, will probably end his career in the Bronx. Um, I don't think there's much more than Judge can do other than win championships. Uh, he's already set a record. He's, you know, the guy in New York, and he's getting $40 million a year. Cool. Not even mad at that. Uh, they, that's what they paid for, and they, and they deserve it. Um, no trade calls, all of it. Good good for him. Uh, as far as the Mets goes, uh, yeah, we have Scherzer and uh, Verlander. Cool. I don't. I really don't think that um, that they're going to give us forty wins, um, but I, I just I just want them to be healthy. That was kind of the biggest thing about the Mets season. Uh, they were healthy until they weren't, uh, and they just ran out of gas in late September, and that's unfortunate. It's a long season. Uh, as far as other things, uh, yeah, Degrom in uh, in Arlington. Yeah, I don't I don't mind it. You know, good for him. He went from one of the toughest divisions in baseball to the AL West. So. Good luck facing Houston. Um, you know, more Seattle's than a few not times a year. One either. Seattle good, came on. Good luck facing Seattle and Shohei uh, more than a few times a year. And Oakland's going to steal some wins from them too. Yep. So is the Grom the difference maker between, you know, playoffs? Not no, because no. Texas uh, was in the bottom of the cellar fighting Oakland for the bottom. Um, I don't see them adding that much. They, mean, they need much more pieces. To the game, and they're adding pieces, but I don't think that they're ready to take on Seattle yet, let alone Houston um, for the AL West. Uh, but other things, really, I'm just waiting for spring training, man. Is yep. it February yet? Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, let me throw this to you, too. Even though they were a couple of games away from the World Series, that much money for Trey Turner, worth it? It's hard to say, but the short answer is yeah. Um, the Phillies need a piece. Yep. Uh, Alex Bohm is not that guy on yep. the uh, on the left side of the infield. Yep. Um, and they were playing, uh, you know, they had a platoon role on, on the left side of the infield between Gene Segura, who's gone, uh, Bohm, who I do like. Um, I, I think that what Turner adds is exactly what they're looking for in the uh, latter part of the lineup behind yep. a healthy Bryce Harper. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if Swarper's still there. And if he is, he absolutely. Is. He is. Um, so the Phillies had a dangerous lineup. It's just that, you know, Harper was injured for most of the year, um, really couldn't get it together um, with Real Muto uh, until later on. So uh, and, and adding Trey Turner definitely helps. That's exactly what they needed. And they had to overbid because he would have gone to San Francisco or he would have gone to, well, maybe not Miami, but, you know, th- that was the guy that the Phillies needed. And I hate that because, damn it, the Phillies have a, 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 like a sneaky good team. Um, so, you know, ah, it's more like Nationals 2.0 for me. It's like the team that should have won the World Series is now joined on the Phillies to see if they can win the World Series. Um, yeah, so. because they because they made it without them. Yeah. Um, and now the question is, you know, will will they be back? And now that they had a taste, there is no going back. You know, they have the pieces. They they got Bryce Harper. They have a decent pitching rotation. Uh, they they kind of you know solved some issues in the left side of their infield. Um, you know, catching's decent, outfield's decent. Not just go win. Hey, which makes me sick to my damn stomach. But you know what? That's that. That's what it is. That's 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 baseball. 
So for Jamal's sake, let's get through this winter. Let's get to February where you see those pitchers and catchers report down to Florida. Take a trip World Baseball Classic in March, man. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. There you go. World Baseball Classic in March. And even shout out to the World Cup. Oh, man, you had a great uh, game between Brazil. And, I mean, not Brazil. The Brazil-Croatia had their great game. But the Netherlands and Argentina, down to penalty kicks, came down to the last one. And Argentina advances. Um, got some great soccer out there, too. Or football, if you want to say it, depending on where you're from. Um but once again, I'm your boy, Silly Sellers. Thank you for Jamal the Giant Crab to come in and, and definitely shout out on this, this topic. Definitely. I'm going to get back more consistently, guys. And I'm sorry if you couldn't hear me for like the first 15 minutes. Maybe I was just talking to myself and Oops. you saw my reaction. So for those of you that stayed on while I was talking, I guess you like looking at me because I was just probably muted. Uh-oh. Um, but only, only, only fans win? Maybe. Oh. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but guys, we'll see you next time once again. And we are out.